Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to the JAR. My name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us today. Um, Today at 1245, we're actually going to have a baptism class that will be upstairs in rehearsal hall number one. And so if you've never been baptized, uh, I'd encourage you to think about it, and you can come and be a part of that. If you uh, are online with us and you're like, hey, I haven't been baptized, I'd like to do that, uh, 1245 come. We have uh, lunch provided and would love for you to do that. Uh, let's just kind of get the elephant out of the room. Uh, church is weird right now, okay? Uh, people are walking in. They've got masks. Everything just looks different. Some of you are here for the first time. You're like, where did the people go? And, uh, hey, I understand they're watching online and I get it. But it's a struggle uh, that we have. And you might say, well, things are just so different. I just don't know. Well, this is what I want to say, that even though church might be different, God is not different, right? Amen. And he is here and he's in control and he wants to speak to every single one of us. So wherever you're at, we want to encourage you right now to actually take a moment of prayer and ask God to speak to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the fact that you are in control, that you are a God who never changes, that you are the same God of yesterday and today and tomorrow. And so right now, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would speak to each person in this celebration, whether they're on the live stream or whether they're here live, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Give us the message we need to be able to grow closer to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I uh, started high school as a cross-country runner and ran uh, throughout my high school experience. And I loved running. I still run today. And we had a really good cross-country team. In fact, uh, we had a great coach who had ran for Indiana University. And uh, my senior year, I was the team captain. And uh, we have a picture, I think, there of me. Uh, what a stud uh, I was. And uh, my wife says, I'm still a stud, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. And uh, during that year, uh, we actually uh, had some new runners who were really good. And one of the kids who tried out was a kid by the name of Swinford. And uh, Swinford, you could tell, was poor. He didn't have the nicest clothes. Uh, He did not have the best kind of tennis shoes to wear. And yet, he was one of our top seven runners. But we treated him, and I treated him, like he was not a part of the team. In fact, even though I was a PK, a preacher's kid, uh, I was much more like a JK, a judgmental kid. And what's so interesting about that period of my life is that before my family actually moved to Anderson, I was always the poor kid on the team. And my dad uh, became a pastor at a church that had a little bit more uh, affluence. And when I would think about going to a practice, I was always nervous because I didn't have the best equipment to be able to be a part of the team. But isn't it interesting how quickly we can forget our past sometimes 
And we can judge people very quickly in the present. And that's the way I was with Swinford. Uh, I just started making fun of him. We would talk behind his back. We would talk about how his hair was unkept. And we eventually even created a nickname for him, Stinky Swinford. No one ever called him by his first name. His first name became Stinky, and we would judge him for everything, his hygiene, his shoes, his smell. I want to ask you, have you ever judged someone because of their outward appearance? Have you ever judged someone because of their income? Have you ever judged someone because of what they put on Facebook or Twitter? Have you ever judged someone because of the car that they ride in or the house that they live in? Have you ever judged someone because of their race or their nationality or their background? Have you ever judged someone because their political leaning was just a little bit different than yours? Well, I was thinking about it. If I had to answer those questions, I would have to say yes to every single one of them. I've made a judgment on all of those things in my life. I mean, sometimes I wonder why it is that Chris Bunch can have such a judgmental spirit. But I'm sure that that's something that only I struggle with, right? Like none of you ever struggle with being judgmental towards somebody else, right? Like you're all holy, holy and lifted up. And those of you we know that are on the live stream, you like are are so holy and so you would never do that. Well, Jesus must have known that you and I would actually struggle with this because when it came to his greatest teaching that he ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew chapter 7, He gives some very direct words to us. And this is what he says. He says, do not judge. Do not judge. Now, I like to look at different Bible translations. I think they're all important. And the King James Version, I think, has probably got the kind of right edge to it. And actually, it's our big idea this morning, if you want to put it on your app outline, and it's this, thou shalt not judge. Thou shalt not judge. Okay, just so we're all on the same page here right now, uh, if you were to leave from here and someone asked, well, what was the sermon about? What was the teaching about? We're all going to say what? We're going to say, thou shalt not judge. Good, good, good. Uh, Now, I want us uh, to do one more thing because I think this helps out a lot. And in just a moment, and if you're on the live stream right now, go ahead, join along with us. But I want you to point your finger like this. Because when you get your finger pointed, that makes it so much more impactful. Now, I realize that many of you are here. You do not have a judgmental spirit. But the person beside you, probably does, okay? Or the person around you. So I'd like everyone to get your finger out and on the count of three, we're going to say this together, our big idea, thou shalt not judge, okay? One, two, three, thou shalt not judge. Yeah, good, good. And uh, 
it's easy for us to do that. Now, the truth, though, is, is that's probably not the most memorized scripture uh, in the Bible. But we probably find the most memorized one is John 3.16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And usually in football stadiums, uh, if we were actually going to have football, we don't know, uh, in end zones you have people holding up signs, John 3.16. But we don't really take in the full context of what Jesus is saying unless we look at the next verse, which is John 3.17. And Jesus goes on to say this, For God did not send his Son into the world to, what's the next word? Condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In fact, Jesus is so opposed to condemnation that we're told this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now, what's the next word? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, when I look at that and I'm like, no condemnation, I'm like, is there a loophole? Like, isn't there a few people that we could condemn? Aren't there just a a few people that we could be extremely judgmental toward? And the answer is no. Jesus is just like, no condemnation, no judging. Jesus' practice was that he refused to engage in judging. And instead, he offered welcome and acceptance, even at a great ultimate cost for him, which was his very life. His teaching was, do not judge, thou shalt not judge anyone. Now, if that's the message of Jesus, then my question to you is, what should the message of the church be? If that's Jesus' message, then ours should be also right Thou shalt not judge. I mean, the church should be the most uh, or the least judgmental place on earth. Sometimes we think it's the most judgmental place on earth, but actually, from what Jesus said, it should be the least judgmental place on earth. Christians, followers of Christ, should be the least judgmental people on the planet based on based on the actual teachings that we, front, that we find from Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. So, here's my question for all of you. How are Christians doing at being non-judgmental? How, how do you think they're doing? Well, Christian author uh, David Kinneman, in his research, found this. The number one characteristic non-Christians associate with Christians was being judgmental. So every time there's a non-Christian and they look at you, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, the first thing that comes to their mind is, you're going to judge me. You're going to be judgmental. That means if you're a Christian, the first thing that they see when they look at you as you are a judging person. So Jesus tries to help his church and every single Christian by simply saying, thou shalt not judge. Don't judge. Now the problem with this text is that 
Some people say, well, you mean I can't ever judge anyone? And I want to show you that's not the case. Uh, Some people will ask, well, you mean I have to be a doormat? I can't ever call out something that is wrong. I can't ever call out a moral wrong. I can't ever lift up a high moral truth. Well, no, that's not what this scripture is talking about at all. So what I want to do is talk about what this scripture does not say, and then I want to talk about what it does say. So, first of all, let's, let me share with you what it does not mean, what the scripture doesn't mean. So when Jesus says, judge not, he does not mean we have to give up making moral discernments or being wise. He's not saying that. He's saying, I'm not asking you to give up moral discernment or being wise. You know, if you go to your dentist and uh, your dentist kind of gives you a check and they look in your mouth and they look at your mouth and they go, well, I see that your gums are receding a little bit. I I see that you have a couple of cavities, you know, here. And, uh, you know, it kind of shows me you haven't been flossing very much. Well, that's the dentist's job, right? Like, Like the dentist isn't condemning me as a person when he says that or she says that. But if my dentist were to say something like, you idiot, Uh, I have told you and told you and told you about flossing. And I've seen better looking teeth in a comb than in your mouth. They are yellow and stained and dirty and crooked and disgusting. I condemn you for that. I have contempt by your oral hygiene. In fact, you don't have hygiene. You have low genes. Now, my dentist, she is amazing, and she would never say that. But I would tell you this, that if your dentist ever says that to you, find another dentist or ask me, and I will tell you a good dentist. Okay, we have several in the church. But folks, it's one thing to talk about a dentist, but what about our workplaces? What about the relationships in our home? We must discern what is right and what is wrong. We must hold people accountable and responsible. We must discuss their failures. And sometimes we have to assign penalties where they're appropriate. But we should never attack the worth of another person. Because this is the truth, folks. You have never locked eyes with any human being who wasn't created in the image of God. Whether they're Democrat or Republican or Independent, you're looking at a person that was made in the image of God. Because every person is made in the image of God, regardless of their race or their background or their political leaning. The second thing that this text is not talking about is we must be naive in living a judgmental, a non-judgmental life. We must be kind of naive to live a non-judgmental life. In other words, you have to be gullible. Uh, You got to be kind of childish. Jesus is not saying this. One of my uh, best friends in college was a guy by the name of Mark. 
And Mark was actually uh, raised in Quinter, Kansas, which is in western Kansas. It's very, very sparse. They're pretty much all farmers. And our freshman year, uh, we went to West Africa, and we took an African history class. And when we flew into Dakar, Senegal, uh, they would actually then take a bus uh, from the airport to our hotel. And when we got to the hotel, before we got off the bus, our professor, who had been there many times before, he said, now when you get off the bus, there are going to be people that are going to try to take your luggage. They're not going to steal it, but they're actually going to try to take it to get a tip from you. And so uh, your poor college students, uh, I know you have no money to tip, and so you need to grab onto your luggage as much as you can. And hold on to it. So everybody kind of lines up in a straight line. We all get the luggage and we go into the hotel. That is everybody except Mark. When Mark goes up to get his luggage, someone else grabs it and says, Hey, buddy, I want to take you someplace. And so he takes him to a bar. And they go into the bar and they say, Hey, there's no legal age to drink here. So how old are you? And Mark's like, I'm 19. I'm from Quinter, Kansas. And he said, well, come on in here. He said, I'll get you a drink. And he gets a drink for him and a few of his friends. And then he looks to Mark and he goes, well, I need $20. And Mark kind of gives him $20. They drink the drinks. He pays for the money. Then he takes his money and he runs out of the bar. And the only thing that Mark has now is his luggage. And he walks into the hotel with his head down. And he said, I didn't listen to you, Dr. Wass. They took $20 from me. Now, Mark, you would think that would have taught him, but he got more naive. He got naive with his car, all kinds of things. His whole life, he was just kind of giving into things. Well, uh, one particular day, he uh, was close to uh, Muncie, and he said, Hey, can I stop in and can I hang out with you guys for a few days? We're like, Yeah, Mark, come on in. And so Mark comes in, and he's with us. And uh, he said, you know what, tonight, why don't you and Jen, like, go out on a date, and I'll watch the girls. Now, what do you think we should say? I'll tell you what we said. We said no, because this was what was going in my mind. Someone's going to come to the door, knock on it, and say, hey, I got $20 to take your, uh, your, the two girls to Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, is that okay? And, t- and uh, Mark would have been, let him go. Just let him go. This scripture is not saying that you should be naive. It's not saying that. What the scripture is forbidding, what Jesus forbids, is having a spirit of condemnation and rejection. I mean, it's when we indulge in a desire that I want to be superior to you. I want to be one up on you. I don't want to be humble. I don't want to understand your perspective. I don't want to see you as a person created in the image of God. And so often you see this so often in social media, in Twitter, on Facebook. People that you even go to church with, you you all of a sudden start having a hatred and, and a judgmental spirit towards them. 
Because it's so much easier, easier for us to have those feelings in ourselves and we don't share it with anyone else. And when you have that, folks, what you're texting or what you're writing or what you're putting on your page, you're not seeing that every single person is made in the image of God. Folks, condemnation will always cripple a person's soul because that is what condemnation's intention is. I mean, if you think about it, folks, in our day, we're just trained to be judgmental. Uh, We see it all over social media. And regardless of what your uh, kind of favorite news network is, whether it's CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or whatever it is, there's always something within that that says, oh, yeah, that's horrible. Those people are. And all of a sudden we get wrapped into it. Now, it's one thing for us to just talk about social media or, you know, something like that. But what about your workplace? Like, what about your workplace? Is there somebody in your workplace that you can't stand? Do you find yourself every once in a while kind of talking behind their back or sweeping some judgments about them? I hate to say it, folks, but the people that you work with, they're made in the image of God. How about those of you who are students? Some of you are getting ready to go back to school pretty soon, and you'll go to school, and when you do... Who do you think you might judge? Could it be the principal? Could it be the teacher? Could it be a new kid? Could it be a kid before your school closed that you didn't like and there'll be judgment there? Whoever it is, remember that they're made in the image of God. How about your family? You got a crazy brother, a crazy sister. You got a a, a weirdo uncle or aunt. I mean, you just can't stand them. I hate to tell you, folks, they're made in the image of God. What about your political leaning? I hate Democrats. No, 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 no. I hate Republicans. I hate independents. Folks, all of them, regardless of their political persuasion, they were made in the image of God. And Jesus calls us to look at them and say, judge not. Now, the problem with stop trying to be so judgmental, is that you can't try hard enough. Some of us think, if I just try, if I try, if I try, I can stop being judgmental. It doesn't work that way. So what we have to do is we have to ask God to actually replace the judgmental spirit within us with his power and with his love so that we can be reality-based and have genuine acceptance. You see, there's kind of a powerful dynamic that's going on in our passage this morning. Jesus says this, thou shalt not judge. And then he goes on to say this, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now here, what Jesus is referring to is what we might call the law of reciprocity. You tend to get back what you give out. If you give love, you tend to get love back. If you give grace, you tend to get grace back. If you give forgiveness, you tend to get 
forgiveness back. If you give anger, you tend to get anger back. If you give some distance and you want to be a distant person, people tend to be distant towards you. If you tend to be sarcastic, then people will tend to give sarcasm back to you. Now, what I have right here is a bucket and a thimble. A bucket and a thimble. And what this scripture is telling us is that each and every day, including this day right now, you will have a measure that you use. And so the question becomes, will you give a bucket of encouragement or will you give a thimble of encouragement? Will you give a bucket of mercy or will you give a thimble of mercy? Will you give a bucket of anger or will you give a thimble of anger? How about when it comes to judgment? Jesus says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. In other words, judge others as you would want them to judge you. So the question becomes, how do you want to be judged? Do you want another person to give you a bucket of mercy when you mess up? Or do you want them to simply give you a thimble of mercy? You know, folks, when it comes to you judging me, and every single one of you will, because I'll mess up. Every single one of you on the live stream right now, you're judging. You're like, ah, he looks like he put on a little weight. Uh, he doesn't look as big as I thought he was. You're, you're making some kind of judgment. I'll mess up in some way. And when that happens, I hope that what you'll give to me is a bucket of mercy. Because what I really want you to realize that the guy standing before you right now, he has more to his story than just what he's saying right now. I want you to take into account that when I do something that is judgeable, that you would think about my genes, my deficiencies, my hidden pain. That you might actually think that, oh, he's extroverted and sometimes he just says stupid stuff and stuff comes out of his mouth and maybe I know him, he doesn't mean that. I need you to know that I get insecure, that I fear failure, that I carry scars. Folks, when it comes to me, I really want to be the kind of person who actually has you to give me a bucket of mercy. And so the question that I've been asking myself over the past couple of months is, when it comes to another person, do I give them a bucket of mercy or do I have a tendency to give them a thimble of mercy? I mean, when it really, really comes down to it, am I being the kind of person that gives them a bucket of mercy or just a thimble of mercy? You see, one of the things I have to remember is that the people who come in front of me, they have stories. They have wounds. They have scars. They have genes. They have parents. They have hurts. They have all kinds of things that have happened in their lives. 
And what am I going to give? A thimble or a bucket? Folks, you know, when you look past the surface of people, and you see kind of past their failures and their shame and their unloveliness, and you just kind of give somebody a bucket of mercy even when they don't deserve it, I'm telling you, that can change their world. It can actually change their eternity. In their book, Switch, Brothers Chip and Dan Heath tell a classic story about Tom Watson. Not the golfer, Tom Watson, but the CEO of IBM in the 50s and 60s. One day, an executive uh, came into his uh, office because he had made a horrible decision. This executive had made a decision that actually cost the company $10 million. Uh, Today, if you put the money to where it's at today with inflation, it would have been an $87 million loss that this executive made. So the executive knew he was toast. He knew he was going to get fired. He came into Watson's office with this letter of resignation already, and he passed it across the table, and he goes, Tom, I assume you're going to fire me. And Tom looked at him, and he said, fire you? fire you? Of course not. I just spent $10 million educating you. Buddy, I can't afford to fire you. Get back to work. Now, I was thinking about it this week. Peter, we know, was Jesus's closest disciple or one of them. He was given the the call to start the church. But what sometimes people don't remember is Peter was the one who three times denied Jesus in his most important hour of need. And so after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, Jesus kind of makes some breakfast and Peter walks in. And I'm sure he's thinking to himself, you know what, Jesus, I suppose you're going to fire me. And then Jesus looked at him and said, fire you. I just invested a crucifixion in you. Uh, I'm about the resurrection business, not the judging business. Get back to work. Feed my sheep. And I just wonder each time that they would go back and look at Jesus' teaching, thou shalt not judge. What do you think? That did to Peter's spirit. Now, I know because of how quiet it is in here today, it's hard not to judge. It's like really, really hard not to do that. And some of you might have good reasons to judge. You might be saying to yourself, but Chris, 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 what you don't understand is that there's this one person in my life, they have made really bad mistakes. Well, my question for you is, have you made some really bad mistakes? I know I have. Today, there's somebody in your life, I don't know who it is, but they are unlovable. They are just cranky and grumpy and greedy and needy and mean all the time. 
They put stupid stuff out on Facebook or Twitter. They just drive you crazy. You just want to choke them. But let me ask you this. Are you ever unlovable? Do you ever get kind of grumpy? Do you ever get kind of mean? Folks, my challenge is to just simply turn away from condemnation. Choose to live out. Thou shalt not judge. When it comes to a non-Christian, especially, I'm telling you, it doesn't have, you're not measured by the same behavior as them. You shouldn't judge them. I'm going to choose to be more like Jesus and, and love people where they're at. And today I'm committing, you could say that, today I'm committing to Jesus' teaching, thou shalt not judge. So this week, I want to encourage you to set aside all judgment. And so when you're tempted to start kind of to condemn your parent or your kid, offer love. When you are tempted to kind of condemn a family member or a neighbor, offer love. When you're kind of tempted to condemn a co-worker or a boss, offer love. Even when you're tempted to condemn a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent, offer love. And if you do this, this is what you will find. You will find that your grace will go to another level and you will receive more and more grace. So, this is the question. When you go on throughout your week, this week, and someone comes up to you, and they ask you, what was the sermon about? You're going to tell them what? Thou shalt not judge. And when they ask you, How good was the sermon? You're going to say what? Thou shalt not judge. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we take a moment right now to simply pause before you. To quiet ourselves. And to ask you right now, God, is there any place in our life that we have been judging or condemning someone else? And so I just want you to take a moment, both here um, in the Civic and those of you who are on the live stream. God, is there someone that I've been judging? Is there someone that I've been condemning. Maybe God's given you a name. Maybe he's given you a a face. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a co-worker. 
Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. In fact, with every eye just kind of closed, I'm going to ask you to do something risky. And for those of you on the stream as well, that if you've been judgmental towards someone, I just want to invite you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand wherever it is. Man, this is me. Let me pray for you. I'm raising my hand as well, God, because I've had that spirit in me towards somebody recently. And God, I don't want to live a life like that. I don't want to be a judging, condemning kind of person. Rather, God, I want to be a bucket producing person. Buckets of encouragement, buckets of love, buckets of mercy, buckets of grace. Because you've given me so much love, so much mercy, so much grace. I don't deserve to do what I'm doing. I don't deserve to be called your child. And yet you chose me. You didn't judge me. You didn't condemn me. You accepted me. You welcomed me into your life. And for everyone's hand that is raised right now, God, I pray that you would place within them a true desire to be a person that would not be about judging or condemning, but would walk the walk of Jesus himself. You can put your hands down. Heavenly Father, I realize right now that there are some people There are some people that are watching this right now that they're like, you know what, though, Chris, I feel like I'm not worthy. I've always felt like God is a kind of condemning, judgmental God and all the messed up things that I've done. There's no way, Chris, there's absolutely no way he could forgive me. And if you're thinking that right now, what I want you to know is that Jesus comes to you and he says, if you'll repent, if you'll turn away, that's what that word means. Turn away from your sin and turn towards God, that he will receive you fully into his arms, that he loves you. He cares about you. He's not a condemning, judging God. He longs to come and give you a new start. And so you might just call out to him right now, Jesus, I need that. I need a new start. I need a new life. I need you a part of me. God, send me your love. Send me your grace. Send me your forgiveness. I receive it today. And if that's you, if you're making that decision for the very first time, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. In fact, everyone who's in the auditorium today, I want you to pray this prayer with me because we all come together at the foot of the cross. That's where we belong because we are not the ones who made the ultimate sacrifice Jesus is. And right now, I just want to invite you to repeat a prayer after me. To your Abba, to your Father, to the one who gave you life and breath, that you would just repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for judging others. Make me brand new. I believe, Jesus, you died for me and rose again 
so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you, serve you for the rest of my life. I give my life to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer for the first time. Uh, Welcome to the kingdom of God. We're so glad you're here. Hey, online, if you uh, have made that commitment, if you'll just tap on to that raise hand button, uh, we'd love for you to do that. And uh, if not, you can go to the jar.org slash accept and uh, you can do that as well. Uh, Someone would love to kind of encourage you in that decision. If you need prayer for anything, uh, just go ahead and say you need prayer and one of our hosts will do that for you. For everyone who's uh, here in the auditorium, if you need prayer, in the back to the right, uh, there is a place for you to receive prayer. It's a private place. It's quiet. And uh, in just a second, stay where you're at. But in just a second, they'll release you by rose and you can go and get prayer there. If you made that commitment for the very first time, stop by our guest connections. Uh, We would love to be able to give you a free gift and to encourage you uh, in the midst of that. As you leave, there are going to be two uh, boxes uh, that are for any offering, if you want to give, or for your Connect card. If you have prayer requests, uh, they'd love to do that as well. So if you just take a moment, uh, just stay here just for a second so we practice good social distancing. Uh, The ushers and greeters will dismiss you. And uh, this week, folks, do not judge, but live a life of love and take a bucket and give it Not of judgment, but of encouragement. Know that you're loved in this place and have a great week, everybody. Thanks.